Our reading today is from John Gibb Millspa and Sarah Gibb Millspa. In our religious tradition, it is not just ministers and religious professionals who have the power to bless. Each of us has the power to bless one another and to bless the world. Therefore, I invite everyone here to participate in this blessing. The words are ordinary words, but we make the blessing real through our shared intention. And I invite everybody as they feel comfortable to form physical connections, you know, hand to hand or hand on shoulder, or even just holding hands over one another. We will, will participate in this blessing. As we have been blessed, so we bless one another to be a blessing. Breathe in. Breathe out. This breath we share with all that breathes. Feel the love of the universe flowing through this community into you and out to the universe again. Let the love of all the universe, your love, flow outward to its height, its depth, its broad extent. You are more than you know and more beloved than you know. Take up what power is yours to create a safe haven, to make the earth a heaven. Give hope to those you encounter that they may know safety from inner and outer harm. Be happy and at peace, healthy and strong, caring and joyful. Be the blessing you already are. That is enough. Blessed be, amen. This morning, we're going to hear from several of our UUCL worship associates, reflections on our month's theme, Celebrating Blessings. This morning, we're going to hear from Amy Pemberton, Jack McDowell just behind me, and myself last. Um, so let's welcome them as Amy comes first. One blessing I did not receive was height. <laughs> I became a Unitarian Universalist a little over 30 years ago, and nobody's more surprised by that than I. The congregation I first joined was strongly humanist. I was assured that you use don't do sin and guilt. That's true to a point. We believe that humans in the world are inherently good. We are not fallen and we don't need to be saved. But we also recognize that there are a lot of problems in the world. That feels like an understatement. And we feel some responsibility to try to make things better. There was a time when I kept feeling guilty that I wasn't doing more. 
No matter what I did, no matter how active I was in church, in charity, in political causes, it didn't feel like enough. It didn't feel like enough even when I exhausted myself. That guilt and exhaustion fed into anger and depression that sapped the joy from my life for much of my 30s. Now, last time I was in this pulpit, I shared some of my, the Christian part of my spirituality. So today I'll share some of the Zen part of my spirituality. My school of Zen, the Pacific Zen Institute, does koan meditation. It's kind of brief stories of various people's enlightenment and encounter with the world. So I will share one of these koans with you. Teacher Yun Min said, I am not asking about before the full moon. Say a word or two about after the full moon. Yun Min answered his own question. Every day is a good day. The full moon in this koan is a metaphor for enlightenment, however you understand that. Yun Min had a reputation for cutting phrases that would stop you dead in your tracks. To be clear, everyone knew enlightenment did not and does not protect you from bad days. Even Yun Min knew this. I take Yun Min in this koan to be saying that, that this day now is, is what we have. It's all we have. And it's a gift. It's a blessing. What I've learned from my Zen practice is the importance of being here now, as hokey as that may sound, and being present to what is in front of us. Good and bad, it passes quickly, too, too quickly, especially if you are not paying attention. The Reverend Richard S. Gilbert reminds us that as Unitarian Universalists, we are called to both savor this good world and to save this imperfect world. I've come to realize that not only do I have to do both, I often have to do them at the same time. If I can take no pleasure in the world, then I will be miserable and of no use to, in saving anything. As Adrian Marie Brown says, there is no way to repress pleasure and expect liberation satisfaction or joy one of the ways i have repressed pressure is take is by taking on guilt or responsibility that was not mine my koan meditation practice by teaching attention to this present moment has made letting go of unwarranted guilt much easier that was not my intention in taking up the practice but it has been a welcome result Blessed be and amen. I'm a little less height challenged than Amy. <laughs> uh, it's been an interesting exercise to come up with a brief talk about the blessings in my life. I got a little stuck. So I decided to think in terms of gratitude, because I think it's, it's good for us every now and then to pause and be grateful for the things that are good and right in our lives. 
So I'm going to talk briefly about two things I'm grateful for. I've got a sale for you, two for one. I think these are especially connected. I'm going to talk about my Buddhist practice and also Unitarian Universalism. So I was born into a very devout Southern Baptist family, so far back that I can remember hearing from the pulpit that God wants the races to be separate. I also learned at a very young age that in order to be a good person, to have worth, you had to be a good Christian. So I tried very hard to be a good Christian, but well, I tried very hard to believe that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior, but I, I failed. I didn't do that. It was as though I read in the Bible that the sky is red, but when I looked, I saw blue. So I was a non-theist, but I wasn't a proud non-theist. I, I could argue religion with the best of them, but I always felt inside that I was lacking. There was something wrong. I married a devout Catholic, an ex-nun. So you can imagine that when we talked about anything that was important to us, there were some big differences. In my early 50s, we divorced, and it was very painful, and I was looking for ways to escape that pain. I discovered Buddhism. I could do a whole homily about the agnostic nature, in my opinion, of the Buddha's original teachings. But basically, he taught that it was a waste of time and effort to try to understand the nature of the gods, because that nature is unknowable. Instead, the Buddha was all about suffering and the reducing and elimination of suffering in this life. And I was suffering. I am attracted to these original agnostic teachings of the Buddha. An agnostic Buddhist is not a believer who claims to supernatural revealed information like other religions. To agnostic Buddhists, the teaching, called the Dharma, is a path of practice and inquiries. As Amy talked about, that's what koans are, they're inquiries. To be tested, very similar to science. But something was still missing. I would go on meditation retreats, and we would sit in silence. No one talked. So it was very hard to get to know, to develop relationships with the other practitioners. I established a relationship with my Zen master, Zen master Bo Moon, but I only saw him sporadically. So I can continued my search, and I discovered Unitarian Universalism. Now, the first time that I walked into the UU Fellowship of Madison County, I felt like I had come home. Now, I've heard a few others of you say similar things. So for fellow spiritual journeyers, refugees, whatever, I think you can relate to what I'm saying. I found that Unitarian Universalism principles fit right in with my Zen practice and my natural predilections. The acceptance of everyone, the openness to all wisdom, no matter the source. Both Unitarian Universalism and Buddhism have reinforced in me 
the deep understanding that everything in this world, in this universe, is ultimately and intimately and infinitely connected. In fact, I have become convinced that a basis of wisdom, if not the basis of wisdom, lies in the understanding of the infinite web of all existence of which we are a part, both in nature and in human interactions. Everything is connected. Everything is both caused and causer. The whole concept of karma, as complex as that can be, is based on that interconnectedness of all existence. So if we're going to pour billions of tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, we, you, use are not surprised that there are, con there are consequences. If we're going to allow semi-automatic, semi-military-grade weapons to be acquired by any Tom, Dick, and Harry, then we're not surprised that there are consequences. So I'm grateful to both Buddhism and Unitarian Universalism because their wisdom reinforces each other, but in some different ways. Buddhism gives me practices and teachings I can use mostly alone to learn how to reduce my suffering by understanding myself and my world better. Unitarian Universalism gives me similar teachings, but in a context where I'm not so alone. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty much of an introvert. I'm comfortable being alone. My Zen teacher used to say that a meditation retreat is a party for introverts. <laughs> I would fit right in. <laughs> Nevertheless, I do need connection. I do need other people. So UU provides me the opportunity to be in community with like-minded people who will support my growth and whose growth I can support and with whom I can share my journey more closely. So, Thank you all for allowing me to join you in this roller coaster of a ride called life. All right, good morning again. I'm going to talk about multi ethnicity, the blessing of the swirl. It has never been a dull moment in my life as I walk cautiously about the streets of life, just hoping I will not be asked another question to do with my multi-ethnicity, which is not rightly apparent to most. And at the same time, I am fully prepared each day to divulge my multi-heritage to anyone with a curiosity, even audacity, to ask. It's yet another opportunity, however, to educate. Nathan, what are you exactly? You look Puerto Rican. <laughs> I've been asking and told this a lot, a whole lot. There is nothing more alienating and separatist than to be asked a question that assumes a kind of monoracial box that I have to live in, in their minds. 
to be asked something that boxes me into sharing my personal identity, my story, because of someone else's preconceived assumptions of me. Secretly, I wish I had the boldness to respond in such a way that lays down my law of wanting everyone to mind their own business, to not be worried about who I am, rather, that I wish to be accepted no matter where I go. I do not have the boldness to respond like that, nor would I. I am a UU after all. And so education is a major part of my willingness to tell my sacred story. In fact, it's a blessing. When I reveal my multi-ethnic makeup, I am not just revealing who I am. I am revealing a story that is ever part of our larger American history, both painful and beautiful. And don't get me wrong, it's not that I mind sharing, but imagine having to explain this to everyone you meet. That's something that my brothers and I, and anyone else who has a multi-ethnic identity, experience all the time. What I tend to note from these interactions, however, is that the only thing that seems interesting to folks is my blackness. People are sometimes shocked to know that I was not raised in the so-called ghetto. I do not wear gold chains. I am not in a gang. I do not speak Ebonics. I do not play basketball. I do not own a Cadillac, and I have never been arrested, nor have been to jail. I am college educated. I do love watermelon. I stopped drinking grape soda and soda in general. I do love chicken. I love gospel music, and I was raised in the black Christian church. I love my blackness. But this is not exactly what people are asking for. They do not want to accept, for example, that because I was raised in a stringent Christian atmosphere with stringent Christian philosophy, it increased my struggle for acceptance more so than it helped. I later learned that even Jesus, who I thought was a white man, was actually Jewish. And furthermore, he was not just Jewish. He was also part Canaanite, part Moabite, part Hittite. A one-dimensional view of Jesus at the time happened to have left me with a one-dimensional view of myself, that I had to choose one ethnicity over the other. That simple education, which is now a blessing unto itself, that if many of our fellow Christian siblings would take into account, works against the lies of not enough and you don't belong with us. Those of us who are multi-ethnic do indeed bear the brunt of having to fit in, which as a child was quite the experience. Do I play with the white kids today, the black kids today? Do I grab the chicken lunch or the salad lunch? Even still, I feel the weight and pressure of otherness never quite fitting in. Being biracial or multiracial identity in a racially charged society continues to be challenging. Where in the world do I belong? Much like many multiracial individuals, I have spent my life attempting to reconcile how I perceive myself with how others report to see me. So here it is. I am black American. I am African-American, I am French-American, I am Irish-American, I am indigenous-American, I am not Puerto Rican, I am not <laughs> Indian, I am not Mexican, I am not Latino, I am human. 
as a person of mixed ethnicity who will always struggle with being fully understood, having a Caucasian partner has only made life even more interesting. Every time we sit down to eat, buy a new car or property, meet new people, life becomes more and more humorous and scary. Every experience I face in racial opposition, sadly, he gets to bear that burden too. Nonetheless, the blessing of being born with this lightly toasted skin from a multicultural environment, being born with two multi-ethnic working eyeballs, has allowed me deeper insight into a broader education and wonder from all of this magnificent diversity. I get to be a blessing to others in the way of educating them to see beyond skin, beyond societal expectancy, to move beyond the past. I get to celebrate the beauty of humanity just by showing up. I am the literal gray between the continued debacles of black and white. You're welcome. <laughs> In our faith communities, we see the importance of multi-ethnicity but often fail to honorably pursue it because we have not yet first embodied it. But when we come alongside mixed folks in our faith communities and receive the gift of their experience, good and bad, we inherit part of the church body that has been missing and needed. May we continue to be a blessing to one another in the way of acceptance and with unconditional love. And to all of my fellow mixed siblings out there, keep doing what you're doing. And remember that your identity is a blessing to the world. Your identity is a blessing to you. So get into the mix. May it be so. Amen.